This podcast is produced by FBI Radio in Sydney. Find more at fbiradio.com slash podcasts. Some more exciting answers to the baffling and intriguing questions of science. Up and Adam, science on FBI. Would usually have Alice Williamson in the studio with me, but she's overseas. But that doesn't mean we can't chat t- science because I've got Tom Gordon in the studio with me. Tom, hello. Hi, how's it going? Good. You've been on the show before. You've we've chatted. We have chatted. I remember. Yes. Oh, that's right. I remember when you were in the show. We were in the midst of the Donald Trump um, Paris Agreement. Yes, that's right. And, and we <laughs> what had a, a time. <laughs> we, we had a word about uh, logical fallacies and how that's this man right. is a masterclass of logical fallacies. But we are heading into a different, a totally different topic. Thank goodness, no Trump here. Uh, Space race and Australia joining the space race. This is one of the biggest topics that's come about in the last couple of weeks, one of the biggest stories. Tell us about it. What? When, why has it taken Australia so long to jump on board with a space agency? Yeah, so I'll give you, I'll give you a bit of a background. So uh, a couple of weeks ago in Adelaide, there was an International Astronautical Congress. Uh, it was the 68th one of those. They happen all over the world and this time it was in Adelaide. Uh, and uh, the government just before the IAC announced that Australia is going to create its own space agency, which is huge. There's been so many people calling for this for decades, decades, since the time of uh, Woomera, when Woomera was running as a launch facility for the European Space Agency. Uh, You'd think that would have kick-started us into getting a bit of our uh, skin in the game in the space agency, but it didn't, so it's left dormant for a while. Then comes the the government says, we're going to make a space agency. Um, now, what does it look like? I don't know. No one really knows because we've just made an announcement, right? That, that's all that's happened. So the announcement has been made and now it's up to us to think about it uh, to see what we can make of it. What does it mean to have a space agency? So, exactly. A space agency is just a, a government-run push or tilt for activities in the space industry, right? So we already do that. We already are a part of the space industry, but not from the government. It's not from. It's not a national thing. We have uh, companies, we have universities, we have uh, people running space things, contributing to space things, but it's not a national push with a national strategy and, and all of that. So Australia so, already has a good relationship with NASA. We have a great relationship We're with NASA. We're doing well. <laughs> yeah, in fact, just recently when Cassini, the spacecraft that plummeted into Saturn... Um, the last message that was transmitted to Earth was picked up by Tidbinbilla uh, um, Deep Space Network, which is a part of the NASA Deep Space Network that picks up uh, all these different um, uh, messages from different satellites and spacecraft around where we've sent them. Uh, In fact, uh, the, the first moon landing uh, transmission came through Australia at Honeysuckle Creek. Mm-hmm. So we have a great long-standing relationship with NASA um, and ESA, the European Space, Space Agency, therefore all the other space agencies that are a part of uh, the European Space Agency. It's just that we pay a lot of money for that. So we pay a lot of money to have satellite data from NASA or other satellites. We pay a lot of money to have access to data and uh, resources and research from the European Space Agency. A lot of money. And so the idea of a space agency is to pay money to be a member of the European Space Agency or pay money to contribute to these things so that we can get benefits back. 
it's an opportunity cost. This is the thing that they, they talk about. So yes, it'll cost money and membership to ESA will probably be around 10, 15 million dollars to set up a space agency, probably going to be around, you know, 10, 15, maybe 30, 40 million dollars. But you get that back almost instantly with industry and with opportunities and with contributions to the international space industry. What would it do for job growth? Huge. Uh, the industry uh, over, let's, let's use Canada for, as an example. Mm-hmm. Canada is always the one that we use for an example. So they created a space agency. They're not in Europe, but they are a member state of the European Space Agency, an associate member. So they pay a little bit of money and they get grants and opportunities given to them. And they focused on one thing, robotics. So I don't know if you've ever seen on the space agency, a space station, sorry, um, there's a Canada arm which is a huge robotic arm that helps manipulate satellites in space. And Canada Arm 2, which is, you know, the next level of that, which is amazing. And basically every time there's a mission to the International Space Agency, Canada has a part in it because of robotics. And what do they get out of that? They get a huge robotics uh, industry. They get uh, invitations to, uh, to have astronauts on the International Space Station. And we all know the most famous Canadian astronaut is now a superstar. This is uh, uh, Chris Hadfield. Um, the opportunity that they get because they, they focused on a thing and a niche, which is robotics, uh, no one else was doing that. They nailed it, and now they get all this industry, all this opportunity, all this uh, attention, education, you know, the rest. It's huge. What do you think Australia could focus on? Great question. So we have a whole bunch of people who are very, very clever at doing things like remote observations. Uh, that's the one that I like, like we've got a lot of remote, so we have to observe remotely. The idea of a remote observations is things like weather satellites or disaster uh, recognition satellites. So if you have a satellite looking at a part of the Earth for a long, long time, you can see changes over time. And we're very good at that. We're very good at radio astronomy. So one of the biggest or the, the biggest science experiment ever being built is being built right now. And half of it is in Australia. It's called the Square Kilometre Array. It's a massive radio telescope that's going to tell us how the universe began, basically. Uh, well, that's the plan. Wow. And you've mentioned you don't, you don't know what it's going to look like, but what kind of model would they use? Would they base it off something like Canada? Uh, absolutely. There would be an element of, hey, let's find a niche and let's be really good at that niche uh, so that whenever something, anything happens with space, they come to Australia and they say, oh, we were ne- we needed to do something with radio telescopes, um, small scale uh, you know, student built satellites and, re- and remote observations. We need those things. Let's go to Australia. Um, and from that comes a lot of opportunities, like I said, opportunities. So we can, we're, we've got uh, really good access to certain orbits because of where we are. Um, we've got really cool uh, launch uh, ranges. So, for example, Woomera is a wonderful place uh, to launch a satellite because there's not a lot out there. Um, that's a contentious thing to say, but, you know, there's th- that's why Woomera was picked because it's very radio quiet. It's very... Like there's not that there's not much there. I've been there. If you've ever been to Woomera, mm-hmm. there's not much there. We've also got this place near Woomera called Akarula, which is a wonderful place, and it looks a lot like Mars, except it's hot. So we can do some really cool Mars research there, mm-hmm. and people do research about extremophiles, which is bacteria that live in extreme environments, which is what you have to be if you're on Mars. So yeah, lots of opportunities. We don't know what it was. Go- it's it's going to look like, but we'll take advice or take. Um, 
direction from Canada because they've done it right. Definitely. And you've mentioned so many different examples of how we could contribute so far. But Tom, why do you think it's important that, you know, from from here on out that Australia is in the space race? Uh, so half because it you kind of need to and, and half because of pride. Like, so I'll talk about the pride thing first. You mentioned just before that uh, there's only two OECD countries that don't have a space agency and Australia is one of them. I don't even know the other one. Okay. <laughs> uh, I should know. Um, uh, New Zealand has a space agency. Now, that's, mm. that sounds silly. Like, we're, we're not competing with New Zealand. But New Zealand has a space agency. <laughs> we should have one. We, we, anyway, that's pride. The other one is, is necessity. It's so good for industry. Like, the, the amount of stuff that comes out of the space industry and research and import into uh, you know, high-tech industries is phenomenal. And for me, because this is my job, what I do, the biggest part is education. How many kids wanted to go and do science at school because of moon landing? Mm-hmm. How many kids are inspired because of astronauts and because of robots on Mars? You know, this is, this is education 101 is inspire people. And we can inspire people to go and do great things, wonderful things that we've never even thought of because we're a part of that. You know, some people argue that we already are, but let's, you know, let's make it official. Let's actually be a part of it. Absolutely. And you're right. We love space. We love the unknown. Mm. They've announced this uh, at the conference in Adelaide, but where to from here? Where do, where do they see it heading in the next few years? Yeah. Okay. So from, from now, there's going to be a lot of discussion amongst people who, uh, who are a part of this industry, who want to be a part of this industry, who uh, have an opinion about this industry until the budget. Now, when the budget comes out, then we'll see what happens. Uh, so we, we have no idea. We really don't have an, any idea. But we got to, yeah, let's wait for the budget next year. And that's the next step. So when, when, they, when they lay it on the table, they put their money where their mouth is and they say, we're going to give this much money to an Australian space agency to set it up. Then we get to think about what we're going to doing, what we're going to be doing. Fingers crossed. We actually got a text in on 0409945945 from Yush. You'll be able to answer this, Tom. Is our agency really going to be called Australian Research and Space Exploration, a.k.a. A-R-S-E. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> is, that a, is that an internet, is that a meme? Is that a- it's totally a meme, but it's it's going, it's like going. it's running. <laughs> There's t-shirts, you can buy the t-shirts. Dan, Dan the tradie also texted in with a link to the t-shirt. So Wouldn't it be cool if we called it astronaut, a habitation astronautical technician as well, H-A-T, so you're A-R-S-E, H-A-T? No. Uh, what, uh, arse hat? Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> Daddy, when I grow up, I want to be an art. Well, you already are. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Gordon in the studio this morning for Up and Adam. Up next, we're kind of still in that region. Uh, Some science or some research is suggesting that men could potentially be better at physics than women because of how they do number one. So we're going to get into that after this track from Kalayla. And we got a text on 0409945945. Another example of our country being behind the times. Exciting stuff. That was about a space agency that has just been announced. We talked about it with Tom Gordon on Up and Adam, who joins me in the studio. Now, Tom, something a bit different. Some Australian research has come out that suggests that men could be better at women in physics for a reason people might not expect. Talk us through this one. Uh, yeah, so uh, this is this is an interesting uh, publication. It, it didn't come out in a journal. It came out in a newspaper. Um, you can go and look it up. It's the idea is that boys are better at projectile motion, mm-hmm. so it's a branch of physics. Projectile motion, throwing things, 
um, because when they go, you know, do wee wees, <laughs> uh, they're essentially doing projectile motion, right? Okay. Uh, as soon as I heard this, as, as 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 well as many other people that I hang around with, the first reaction is, "Nah, I'm calling BS." Like you can't you can't say that you can't say that. But the idea is that if you, since birth, are, well, since you can walk or stand up, I guess, go to the toilet and you're weeing into the toilet. And some, some parents put little ping pong balls in the toilet, so boys aim at that, or a little mark on the back of the toilet, so boys aim at that. So if you're doing this every every day, you're getting used to it, therefore you understand projectile motion mm-hmm. better, right? And then that translates into more boys doing physics at high school and university or being better at it. Really? Yeah, I know. That's what I said. <laughs> really? So, I mean, because what, when you read something like that, I'm, I'm going to go and try and find out. So mm-hmm. I tried to find out and it turns out there is no research that says this. So what these researchers, researchers and their researchers from UNSW, what they've done is they have published something that doesn't have any evidence with it, but they've published it to start a conversation. Mm-hmm. And the conversation normally goes, well, you know, boys play more sports or ball sports. Uh, therefore they understand projectile motion, right? So it's just the same argument from a different perspective, but there is no research that's, that that proves that playing ball sports makes you better at projectile motion either. So they're just saying the same thing as everyone else has said for years and years, but from a different angle. The point, the problem that I have with it is there's no research. So it's not research, it's just, they're just saying this to cause a stir. Now, this is what's called publication by headline. And it's really, in my opinion, a poor way to do science. Sure, it gets a conversation started, but it's confusing because now people are thinking that this is a thing that we can do. Uh, now, when we do science, we do science, uh, we, we do this three-step process, essentially. It's predict, observe, explain. You make a prediction, you observe that, and you try and explain your predictions uh, based on your observations. It seems like these researchers have missed out a couple of those steps. Uh, they've made a prediction, there are no observations, and their explanation does not back up their prediction. Right? So they've not actually gone – have they done an experiment? Have they no, done case studies? No, you can't. I mean, you cannot do that. You yeah. cannot do that research. There is no ethics that will allow you to observe that research. Yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> so not only is there no research, but you cannot do that research for obvious reasons that you can't go and observe people winging as part of your research. It's mm-hmm. not okay. You, yeah, and that, I wouldn't enjoy that either <laughs> if I was a scientist. So what do you think this says about how we are? Do you think it says something about um, the nature of, say, the internet and buzz, buzz headlines and, you know, clickbait in a way? Um, I'm not sure if it's, it's supposed to be clickbait, but it's supposed to start a conversation. Mm. I, just, I think that they've done it in the wrong way. Uh, the point was to, to, to make oh, – it's a bad phrase, make a splash. I don't know. The, but <laughs> but the, argument, <laughs> the argument has been made with ball sports for, for years and years. And it's not really gone anywhere. There is actually a problem. There is a gender difference in physics and in science in general. There is a gender difference. What is the yeah? What is the gender difference? What are the stats here as far as the level of female participation in so physics? So in physics, it would be. I mean, this is at you know high schools or universities mostly. It'd be around twenty five percent female, seventy five percent maybe you know plus or minus, right? So it's around there. So there is a gender difference, and we are really working hard to try and figure out 
how to stop having that gender difference or what's the cause of that gender difference. But to say that it's because boys, we standing up is not a good answer to mm-hmm. that. You've got to go and do research. You've got to try and figure out which is what these researchers are doing. They're actually trying to figure out what is the cause. For example, one of their other research projects was they're changing the wording of exam questions to see if the wording changes how females and males respond to that question. Wow. Which is great. That's the way you go and do it. Now, why that is not their headline article, I don't know. For example, they, um, uh, they changed one word in a question And that changed the percentage that females got the answer right from about 20% to 80%. What was the question? Do you remember? Uh, The question was, uh, you know, uh, something like an object falls from a plane with just enough velocity to reach blah, 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 blah. Something. I can't remember exactly. But they removed the word just. So instead of saying just enough velocity, they said enough velocity. Yeah, right. And that changed the response, the correct response in females from about 20 or 30% up to 70, 80%. It changed males as well, but not as much. Why is that? Why the word just? I don't know. I don't know. And they're trying to figure it out. Okay. That's, see, this, see, this is good science, right? Yeah. So this is great science. But then to go and say, oh, it's because, uh, you know, he, here's an idea. It's because boys, we standing up. And there's nothing that a female can really do about that, you know, to change that. It's a, and that's the thing that they said with this research, that there's no simple way to conclude it and to provide girls with the same opportunities to explore that. Well, the, uh, I think what they were trying to do is look at the differences between males and females at mm. an early age. And there really isn't much difference physiologically between boys and girls um, when, when, they're, when they're young. So I just... They, they must have thought, well, boys stand up to we and girls don't. Mm. But does that mean girls are better at string theory because their hair is tangled? Or does that mean that girls are better at friction because they, you know, they take pants down to sit down on the toilet more? That I don't know. I, this is a really weird place to go and it, it makes me really uncomfortable. No, <laughs> definitely. It is uncomfortable science. But if people want to check out this study, where do they go? Uh, you, I mean, just type in "boys better at yeah. science" into, and it comes up. It's one. Of, it's one of the. Um, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't have read this article if it wasn't shown to me. Yeah, we will pop a link to this one actually at fbrradio.com/slash/programs if you click on up for it. But I do have to say, some of the unisex bathrooms I've been in, some guys are not better at physics and not better at <laughs> yeah, physics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Talk to my son about this. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm Gordon. Thank you so much for joining us in the studio this morning in lieu of Alice. Hopefully, we'll catch you again soon for another cover. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.